Hail Sanitation. Welcome to your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. The COVID-19 pandemic has shut down many services. The streets are quieter, restaurants and bars are empty, but the garbage is still picked up each week. Homes are still getting cleaned and hospitals are still sanitized for safety. The people doing that work need more than thanks. They need help. Today, we honor the bravery of domestic workers, hospital janitors, and sanitation workers. We get it going as executive producer Marisa DeMarco dives right into our topic. I'm on the line now with Yasmin Khan. She is a journalist who contributes to KUNM. I'm so grateful to you, Yasmin, for being able to do these really important interviews with folks who speak primarily Spanish. It's just so useful right now during the pandemic. So welcome, Yasmin. Thank you. Thanks, Marissa. So you spoke with someone who did not want to be identified, who works at UNMH doing custodial work, right? Right. And what are some of the ways that her job has changed during the pandemic? She said she's been working at UNMH for years in various wards, and now she's working partly in the ward that has coronavirus patients. So what she said is since the coronavirus pandemic started, everything has changed because it's sad and depressing. She said we're always working with fear and sadness. And she said it's just taking a toll on her mental health. Yeah. And that's, you know, something I had not really considered is that, of course, people who are doing custodial work are also witnessing people passing away without their families. Yes. There's days that she just doesn't want to go to work anymore, but she has to because she's proud of the work that she does. And this show is intended originally just to celebrate people who do cleaning work in our communities because it is so important right now. So it makes sense that she's proud of the way that she's contributing right now. She also said that sometimes, you know, it gets really depressing because she's watching patients die alone because they can't have visitors during the pandemic. And sometimes she's the only person that they can talk to while they're dying. So not Mm -hmm. only is she preparing rooms for people to come in and she's cleaning up afterwards when people leave, but she's there during the whole process, life to death during this coronavirus pandemic. That is so much, right? You've mentioned that they don't have the same PPE as the doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers, even though they're in the same spaces with people who have coronavirus, right? She said, and other people that I've talked to said that they have the little fabric surgical masks, but as cleaning crew, they're very aware of how viruses and bacteria work, that it's airborne, and what this worker was asking for was the N95 mask. Doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers also know that cleaning crew don't have the right PPE. The outcome is that cleaning staff are being ostracized. Mm. Um, People are avoiding them in the hallways, and this worker was very upset and she cried through most of this interview saying that three weeks ago a head nurse banned her from entering the kitchen and she couldn't eat and she was very hungry. She said she just carried on her day with a headache and she said it was depressing because she saw that in the kitchen were all people that she'd been working with all day, doctors and nurses Mm. who she had been working with were eating in the kitchen but she wasn't allowed to go in and she said it was definitely discrimination and she wanted people to understand. She told the nurse who banned her from the kitchen that we need to have more solidarity We work together every day, and it doesn't make sense that she can't enter the kitchen and eat. But she does link it to the fact that everybody knows that cleaning staff don't have the correct PPE and they're considered contaminated. Ooh, and that, I mean, that just 
I think speaks to a long history of this racism in America where some people are thought of as being diseased or unclean in some way. Yeah, this was the biggest, most emotional part of the interview that I had with her. And she said that she knows at least three other cleaning staff who were banned from eating in the kitchen. Obviously, when you're a cleaning crew in a, in a hospital, you can't just eat wherever you want. You can't just sit down and have your lunch. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to eat in a designated area. But if she can't go into that area, then she just doesn't eat. So between watching patients die alone and the heavy load of all the extra clean that goes into cleaning a coronavirus ward, she's having a really rough time. Another thing that really strikes me about the interview is that she's really going above and beyond to show up for patients, to show up for their families. Yeah. For example, if a patient is flown in by helicopter, that means they're coming from further away. And if families come in and but can't stay somewhere in a hotel or, or can't afford to live somewhere close by to their loved ones, she'll take them into her house. Um, mm-hmm. She said that one time before the coronavirus, she had an entire family who stayed with her for two months because their loved one was blown in with a head injury and they didn't have a place to stay. So she said that she tries to help when she can, but she's very poor. But she's continuing to do this even during the pandemic. And especially if they're Spanish speaking or Mexican families, she says she feels a solidarity for them. So she is really going above and beyond what most people would do in the situation. And filling a gap that might not be obvious to everyone in our system. It sounds like she's really interested in seeing more solidarity inside the hospital and out. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like she's just a very caring person who understands that we all have to work together. All right, Yasmin. Well, again, thank you for doing these really important interviews for us. I'm looking forward to the rest of your coverage. All right. Thanks, Marissa. All right. And here's journalist Yasmin Khan bringing us more on this story about cleaning crew and housekeeping at UNMH. I spoke with Delmi Nova and Alicia Hernandez, part of the cleaning staff at UNMH. Nova works in urgent care, cleaning rooms that receive a range of patients. Hernandez works on the second floor surgery ward and is also a union delegate for the cleaning staff. Neither are speaking on behalf of the hospital, but only sharing their personal experiences. The women say things have changed drastically for them in terms of their mental and physical health since the pandemic hit, in part because they haven't received training on how to deal with the virus at work. Delmi says the first days of the pandemic were rough and things haven't gotten better. It was chaos. It was total panic because it was something unknown to us and we didn't know how to confront the virus. We are still in the same situation because we still don't know how to respond. We're using the tools that we have, but we are really limited. Alicia says about 80% of the cleaning crew are women. She says some staff assigned to clean rooms with coronavirus patients have pre-existing conditions that make them more susceptible to COVID-19 complications if they contract the virus. However, even with doctor's notes, high-risk staff are still asked to clean rooms with COVID-19 patients. They are obliging workers with pre-existing metal conditions to enter COVID-19 contaminated rooms, exposing workers without listening to the workers' doctors or taking pre-existing conditions into consideration. The life of our colleagues is important. 
the health of our colleagues. The women are also concerned that they didn't receive information or training in how to use the new cleaning supplies they received this week. Without understanding how to use the new chemicals correctly, they are afraid they're putting themselves, patients, and other hospital staff at risk. The women say they knew the old solution, Virex, worked to kill the COVID-19 virus within one minute, but they don't know how long the new solution takes to work, and since they entered dozens of rooms per day, they feel exposed to the virus. They also say they don't have the right PPE. They want N95 masks that are more effective against the virus. Neither women say they've had luck talking with their supervisors about their concerns. Delmi said she understands doctors and nurses are in close contact with patients and are at high risk for contracting the virus, but cleaning crew are also exposed and deserve the right PPE, hazard pay, and to know how to correctly use the new cleaning chemicals. Ellos son importantes para el hospital como nosotros también, porque si nosotros no estuviéramos allí para limpiar y sanitizar este los cuartos para que entren los pacientes, the doctors and nurses are important for the hospital, and we are too. If we are there to clean and sanitize the rooms for patients, then they couldn't do their job 100%. The virus will affect a cleaning staff just as much as a doctor. It doesn't discriminate. It attacks everyone. Both women say the lack of PPE leads to emotional stress because doctors, nurses, and other staff avoid them. I see that doctors and nurses pass each other normally in the hall, but when they pass cleaning staff, I see them panic. Alicia said her union has tried to negotiate with the CEO of UNMH for hazard pay, better PPE, paid quarantine leave, and measures such as taking temperatures of workers when they leave and arrive, but they haven't had luck in reaching hospital administration. Por favor, la gente sepa lo que está sucediendo en el UNMH. It's very important that all the listeners know what is happening in UNMH, that we need to reach Kate Becker, the CEO of the hospital, and let her know that the cleaning crew needs her support. The women say because they have children and parents who have medical conditions, they're afraid they're bringing the virus home to their families. Us Latinos, we're very close to our elders. For us, they are people of wisdom, an example of how to live our life. We are proud of them in our hearts, and we love our elders very much, and they often live with us. We live in fear of bringing this virus back to our elders at home. Despite all of this, the women say they are proud of their work and they want other cleaning staff around the state to know they can ask for what they need to be safe. I do my work with pride because the health of others depends on our work. My contribution is beneficial for the hospital, the patients, and the staff who work there. Yo tengo por lo menos mi padre es tiene muchas muchas enfermedades, tiene cáncer, tiene linfoma, tiene muchas condiciones médicas. We have to work. We don't have a choice. But we also have an obligation to society. For example, my father has cancer. He has lymphoma. And so I think, what if my father has to use this hospital room? So I have to do things right for my father and for other patients who have serious conditions. For your New Mexico government, I'm Yasmin Khan. UNMH spokesperson Mark Rudy did not respond to many of the specific concerns presented by these workers that we sent over via email. This is what he wrote in response. 
We take all allegations of mistreatment seriously and will look into these claims, but we can tell you that employee and patient safety is our top priority at the University of New Mexico Hospital. UNMH has formed a multidisciplinary committee to address personal protective equipment, PPE. This committee, which is led by medical school physician leaders, reviews recommendations and best practices to help us create appropriate guidelines for every employee. We want to be sure every employee has the proper PPE for their risk of exposure based on their work assignment. We work hard to provide venues for all of our employees to share concerns. We have also held classes that discuss the COVID response and how to stay safe. These concerns have not been brought forward in those platforms and hospital CEO Kate Becker has not been approached by any housekeeping employee to discuss these concerns. We will not tolerate discrimination against any of our employees. We have implemented appropriate social distancing measures in our dining areas. Those measures apply to all employees. We are proud of our housekeeping team and recognize the crucial role they play in caring for our patients. We will continue to work to support them. My next guest is a student who, along with four others, created a GoFundMe page to aid custodial staff at UNMH. The GoFundMe page is called UNM Hospitals Custodial Staff Appreciation. I'd like to welcome Anita Retta to the show, who also specified that she's not speaking on behalf of the university or UNMH. Anita, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You all created a GoFundMe for some workers at UNMH. Can you explain more about it? You know, right now during this crisis, a lot of people in the community want to thank different groups, different people on the front line. A group of community members and health professional students got together just to make sure that this particular group wasn't forgotten. These folks are responsible for keeping our hospitals safe, clean, and running year-round. They do their work after witnessing traumatic events, and they continue to do so even in the face of this crisis, even with the risk to their health and safety and that of their families. With the donations you get from your GoFundMe, what are the, some of the things you're going to try to secure for these people? So we are looking at getting Walmart gift cards for, uh, we have 252 inpatient staff at the moment. So we're looking at getting gift cards. We raised a little bit over 11000 right now. And so the hope is to get at least $40 for each each individual. Uh, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, and we have the people, the custodial and maintenance staff, who are there to keep the place clean and disinfected, but they're not being treated with the same type of caution that other hospital workers are. Talk to me about that difference in separation and how you feel about it. I would be lying if I said that that also did not contribute to our desire to help these folks. It's very difficult to think about the possibility of them being taken advantage of or not treated equitably because they're already receiving some of the lowest wages in the hospital, right? If they were to fall ill or if something were to happen to them, they're much more at risk than anyone else at the hospital, perhaps, at having significant financial fallout and difficulty for their family. How would you like to see them treated? What are some measures that just basic work measures from here in the future so that they're not put in danger should we be in a situation like this again? Well, I really hope that this raises awareness about the need for safety nets and the need for 
being able to provide hazard pay in crisis like this. Everyone who is working on the front lines should be getting hazard pay. The custodial staff and food service workers are all often forgotten. I feel like there's this unfair thought that those folks are always replaceable and that there's always going to be someone willing to do that work. And that's not fair. Even beyond COVID, there are other reasons why a custodial worker in a hospital could become very ill or hurt. Ensuring that we go over all of these employee benefits and we ensure that they're receiving equitable representation and equitable wages. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. She is Anita Retta. She has organized the GoFundMe to help out custodial and maintenance staff workers at UNMH. Thanks again for being with me. Thank you so much for having me. This is UNM Government. I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're covering the way the virus and health measures are impacting people differently around the state. Along with the slow reopening of the state, we're shifting our broadcast to three days a week. Tune in Wednesday through Friday at 7.30 p.m. here on KUNM or find the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Seriously, we're everywhere. Like, really, everywhere. My next guest is Maite Lopez. She is with Encuentro Home Aid, and she is a training specialist with them. Maite, thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much, Khalil. Tell us, what kind of work do you do? I work with Encuentro. It's an adult education center for Latino immigrants. Home health aides are direct care workers for the elderly or people with disabilities. How has the nature of their work changed during the pandemic? Well, home health aides and house cleaners and nannies are what we call domestic workers. And domestic workers have always been essential to the fabric of our society. They care for the most precious people in our community, our children, our elderly and or disabled relatives. They clean our homes. And so they're a part of our intimate lives, even more so during this pandemic, while they are still required to provide these essential services. Are the people you're training and working with, are they getting proper PPEs if they're in the home? What type of environment are they working in now? Many of the problems that I've heard is that a lot of workers cannot afford to lose their job. For example, they are sole breadwinners of their household. They are essentially being forced to work during this pandemic. And this, of course, is without proper protection, without hazard pay. A lot of problems that are happening right now are that clients are canceling services, and this is for months at a time. And so this is causing many workers to lose all sources of their income. Now, are any of the workers worried about catching the illness? Absolutely. They worry about their safety, just like the rest of us. Exposure to harsh chemicals that they use to perform their duties, the lack of the PPE, especially because of the scarcities, the uncertainty of who is coming in and out of the home. Are the clients following guidelines, you know, from the local governments because they have to travel to other people's homes? Yeah, they're they're working on the front lines. And when you're treated in such a way, it can wear on you can wear on your spirit, your drive, and your passion. What type of resources are available out there for people who just need a little bit of a break, somebody to talk to, to help while they go through these hardships? Definitely call the New Mexico crisis line. That is something that I have personally used myself, and and it's a great resource. And the Domestic Workers Alliance, because that's exactly what they do as well. And, And the thing is, is if you become a member and if you join the mailing list, you will get Um, reminders of weekly calls just to 
reach out. And the great thing is, is that it's people from all over the country. And it's great to be able to hear these concerns that are shared by so many people. So the Domestic Workers Alliance has a lot of resources on their website for mental health specifically, for self-care. Taking care of self is the only way that we can take care of others. Yep. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me and being on the show and bringing light to these issues. Really appreciate that and the work that you're doing. She's Maite Lopez. She's with Encuentro Home Health Aid. Thank you again. Thank you, Khalil. My next guest is with the Caregiver Alliance at the Navajo Nation. I'd like to welcome Valerie Sosi to the show. Valerie, thanks for being with me. Yes, thank you. Talk to me about the fears. Are any of the people you work with, are they very fearful about catching the illness? Very fearful. I feel, well, actually, I feel like there's a bit of differences in the community. There's people that are taking, you know, caution. Some of them go overboard. But then you see some people going to underboard where they're like, I don't have to wear a mask, you know, and they're kind of going into this thing where they're protesting. It's like, that's against my rights. So it's just kind of educating, I think, in not just English, but in Navajo as well, and having consistent information out. We're really trying to put this message across again, just being like, be a good relative, be a good citizen. You know, this is not just for you, but it's for everybody and for the babies. Because right now what I'm also seeing is that the families are getting, I guess, maybe like restless. And with family too, they're like, we're so used to, we're a matriarchal society, we're family oriented, so there's a lot of get togethers. And matter of fact, at this time, we have a lot of ceremonies and that, that involve getting together, community, teamwork, you know, to do, pull off some of these ceremonies. Now you're cutting that off. And sometimes the families, you know, we're very big. We have a lot of aunties, a lot of uncles, and they want to come together. What type of added stress and pressure does this put upon the caregivers you work with who are working with these families going around the entire community to try to help people? What type of pressures are they under? I think it's immense pressure because my caregivers range from, actually my last one was eight. So there's kids that are taking care of grandma all the way up to aging with the caring person. So they can be 80 and then like 85 and they're taking care of, you know, their sister, the daughter taking care of the mother now or the son taking care of the mother and they're up in age as well. So the added pressure is the lack of resources, which right now would be Internet. We do have cell phones, but the service can be spotty. Some areas, you know, they'll have to go up on top of a hill to get better service. And it's like, okay, how long are you going to be on top of the hill? And then your loved one is doing what now? Dialysis, I think, is a huge one because I remember my grandmother, she's passed now, but when we were taking care of her, she had to go to dialysis every other day. I cannot imagine that process right now. Another thing is, you know, they don't want family members and so many people at the hospital, so it's usually just the patient. A lot of the nurses, a lot of the, you know, the PAs, the doctors, they're not Navajo. So they don't speak the language. So if you bring somebody who is primary Navajo into that facility, who's going to be interpreting for them now? Who's going to be their advocate? Who's going to be going further to try to explain what's going on? What type of help are you all in need of? And where can, you know, where can listeners go to help? I think it's everything. I think we're all struggling into where, like, we need, say, hand sanitizer, soap, water. This is even just for washing your hands. 
they have to haul water and stuff like that. Cleaning supplies, honestly, anything and everything is going to be helpful. She's Valerie Sosi. She's with the Caregiver Alliance, the Navajo Nation. Thank you again for being with me. Are you a sanitation worker or know someone who is? Are you proud of your important work right now? Are you concerned about your working conditions? We want to hear about your experience. Call up our hotline, leave a message, and we'll interview you. Call 505-218-7084 or email yournmgov at gmail.com. My next guest is the deputy director for Albuquerque City Sanitation, Billy Gallegos. Billy, thanks for being with me, my friend. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having us on. Let me ask you, has the sanitation department been given any extra PPE, protective gear, since the pandemic began? Yes. When we've seen this coming on, we tried to prep a week, week and a half before actually everything started to shut down. So we uh, prepared some bags for all of our drivers and our convenience centers and our transport operators and everybody. So what the bag consisted of is your disinfectant sprays, rubber gloves, some paper towels and some hand sanitizers that we uh, divvied it up amongst everybody. We did do the prep before actually everything ran out of supplies for a while. Tell me, how has the pandemic changed the job that you're all doing and how you're approaching the work? To be honest with you, we have not changed as far as the drivers go at all. Maybe decreased our commercial side pickup, but we've increased our residential, both recycling and the trash has increased quite a bit. Let me ask you, are there tips for people who are putting out their garbage about how to make things easier for the sanitation department at the time? Yeah, we'll start off with the recycling part of it. I mean, a lot of people have used some of their stimulus money maybe to buy extra things that they need around the house. Um, If they break the boxes down and they put them in the containers with the boxes broken down, um, they can get more in the recycling cart. This way, when we dump the carts, we're not dumping any of the recycles all over the, the neighborhood. And just making sure they don't overpack. That's when a lot of people think just because the lid's on there that we can pack it and the lid will be three quarters shut. But the reason why we have the lid there is to kind of contain it so it doesn't blow out all over the place. How does the department feel in general about the work you all are doing? Because essentially you're keeping the city safe and clean right now. How do you feel about this work? We feel great about it. You know, we have a great department. We've got a lot of dedicated employees. You know, they're committed to keeping the city clean. You know, we have our clean cities divisions that handle all our medians and illegal dumping, our recycling sites. Then you have your collections division. You have your disposal divisions, which is the landfill You have your drivers, both recycling and commercial and your residential. You know, they're committed and they're providing a great service and we appreciate them. We've gotten numerous thank you cards. We've had a couple of gentlemen provide us with little grab bags for them, you know, a candy bar, some cookies and chips and some gum and just different things. We receive probably two or three of these sometimes daily and weekly, but people saying thank you. Yeah. Any words or shout outs for your fellow sanitation or custodial workers who are cleaning up in the entire state right now? No, we appreciate you guys just like hopefully you guys appreciate us. And if you guys have any questions or concerns that we may be able to help you with, just please reach out to us. And we have reached out to a few, asked some questions and we've had some reach back. So just keep safe and we appreciate you guys. Yes, I appreciate you and your entire department and the work you were doing. Thanks again for being with me. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you guys. Of course. That's Billy Gallegos, Deputy Director of City Sanitation for the city of Albuquerque. Looking at my Gucci, it's about that time for some resources. Find the full list of the resources we talk about on each episode and opportunities to donate or help online at bit.ly slash ynmghub. Learn more and support the National Domestic Workers Alliance by heading to domesticworkers.org. 
There you will see a care fund that they've organized. Just click donate now to help. Take a look at the 2019 Domestic Workers Bill of Rights legislation by heading to the YNMG page at KUNM.org. You can see the HEROES Act there. And if you want to head to Congress.gov to read House Bill 3670 and Senate Bill 2112, you won't be mad you did. If you want to support UNMH custodial staff, head to GoFundMe.com and look up UNM's hospital staff appreciation to get helping. Head to CABQ.gov slash solid waste to learn more about the city's efforts and become a part of the Navajo Caregiver Support Program by heading to NavajoFCSP.webs.com to help. Hear us on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays on KUNM's Airwaves at 7.30 p.m. Online, find this show on KUNM.org or subscribe anywhere, anywhere, anywhere you get your podcasts. We really are everywhere. Your New Mexico government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, the New Mexico Local News Fund, and listeners like you. Your New Mexico government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. The theme music is by Pope Yes, Yes, Y'all. It's produced by yours truly. Super shout out to Bryce Dix, who has worked hard, hard, hard on his last editing day on the show today because he is graduating. Thank you for all your excellent work and everything that you've done. Congratulations to you, my friend. Oh, and Ty Bannerman helped out with the editing as well. Thanks, Ty. And a special shout out to Yasmin Khan for all of her contributions. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. For everyone here at Your New Mexico Government, thanks for listening and have a great weekend.